Welcome to the Podium Podcast, where we bring together leaders from the worlds of sports, media and philanthropy to discuss the people and stories that change the world. At Podium Pictures, we make impact. We encourage you to visit PodiumPictures.com to learn more about our mission. Now, here's your host, Emmy Award-winning filmmaker, Brett Rapkin. Welcome to the Podium Podcast. Today's guest is Anna Isaacson, the NFL's Senior VP of Social Responsibility. She previously worked at the Brooklyn Cyclones, the A-level affiliate of the New York Mets, where her responsibilities included selling souvenirs at the mall and giving historical baseball tours, as you'll hear about in the interview. She mentions Jackie Robinson as her hero, and some of her initiatives at the NFL have included Inspire Change, the league's social justice campaign, and the My Cause, My Cleats campaign. She was hired by the NFL at age 35 with limited sports experience, but she learned the rules of football by reading Football for Dummies. Hope you'll enjoy this in-depth interview with the NFL's Anna Isaacs. Anna Isaacson, welcome to the Podium Podcast. How are you today? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So you're in New York. Uh, tell me a little bit about uh, what you do at the NFL. So I head up social responsibility for the NFL. Been here since 2006. Uh, it has gone by fast. Um, but we, our department really heads up everything that is off the field for the league. So everything from a philanthropic, charitable, community standpoint um, we manage goes through our, our department. And so that includes everything from the NFL Foundation uh, to our cause initiatives, salute to service, our cancer prevention work, um, issues like domestic violence and sexual violence, and of course, our recent work on social justice, uh, our man of the year platform, my cause, my cleats, really all the things that you see come to life in stadium and on the field from a community or cause perspective or run through our, our group. Cool. And I want to talk about some of those programs specifically, but just by way of a little bit of, of background, are you from New York or where are you from? I am. I'm a New Yorker. I'm uh, I'm born and raised in Brooklyn, um, and you may hear that come out as we talk as we talk more. Um, born and raised in Brooklyn, lived there most of my life. Now, uh, now find myself in the city. Got it. And I saw in my my notes here that you worked as a gallery manager for the Brooklyn Cyclones. What is it? What does a gallery manager do exactly? Um. Well, it's interesting. You're 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 sending me back um, to a different time and place. But um, my first real job out of school was uh, working for the Brooklyn Cyclones baseball team, so minor league affiliate of the New York Mets, um, and you know the first professional baseball team back in Brooklyn since the Dodgers. Um, and so that was a very exciting thing for most of New York, especially in Brooklyn, and. They um, they opened their doors in 2001. I started working a few months later, and this was post 9/11. There was supposed to be a small museum that opened up at the stadium that was run by the city of New York that was dedicated to the history of baseball in Brooklyn and specifically on Jackie Robinson um, and all the stories around him and his teammates. Post 9/11, as you can imagine, the city was in 
a very different state. Um, there was not a lot of um, resources to put towards something like this. And so uh, the the city asked the Mets and the Cyclones to basically take on this museum to run it. Uh, and so I was in the right place at the right time. I had been doing merchandise for merchandise sales for the Cyclones at the time, but I had spent um, my college days studying the history of baseball. And so they offered me the job and we built a literally a small museum, a gallery dedicated to the history of baseball in Brooklyn with a focus on, of course, the, the glory days and the glory years. Um, we turned the museum into a community space and an educational space where we were um, taking students from across Brooklyn and throughout the city through the stadium, through the museum to really uh, teach them history and to use baseball as the starting point for tons of lessons. It's Banned lots of different topics from um, and subjects really from math, you know, in the dugout to science in the locker room, and of course history in the museum. I love that. Did you say you studied baseball history in college? I did. I did. I wrote my thesis on uh, the impact of television on baseball heroes. What? What in a, in a nutshell? What has been the impact of? Uh... Well, it was sort of it was it was how television and getting up up and close and personal um, really impacted how we were able to see athletes, right? With, you know, in football, we call it with the helmets off, right? But but now kind of this, this world that we live in is even, you know, it's... It, Everything is under a microscope, right? Everything is per, is public around our athletes. But um, back before television, you know, what we knew about athletes, what we knew about baseball heroes was very different. And how we deified or idolized players um, really changed. What we knew about their personal lives really changed post-television. Um, and so I, I spent a lot of time um, writing about that time in history, which is, you know, mostly 40s, 50s, 60s. Um, and... You know, in that process, obviously, I spent a lot of time at, at in Cooperstown, and I was interning for Major League Baseball at the time. And so, um, again, it was a it was fortuitous for me to be in that position where a a an opportunity to use my history degree came up. So it sounds like football was not your first love. Is that fair to say? Uh, that is fair to say. Yeah, sports, huge sports fan, not an athlete. Um, by any means, uh, baseball's number was the number, you know, first sport for me. And then I started, um, started falling in love with football, honestly, when I was in college, uh, and, uh, started, you know, I worked at a radio station for Columbia doing the Columbia lions football games. In, in terms of the NFL, I mean, it's such a, an incredible part of especially American culture. And, you know, as I mentioned, I worked at the NFL network for, for seven seasons and, Certainly, growing growing overseas is uh, you know a big initiative for for the NFL as well as all the sports. Um, but just focusing on on the U.S. for a moment, like why do you think the NFL is uh, that the TV ratings are so much higher than you know MLB and and even the NBA? Um. Well, I think football, first of all, I think football is now America's sport, right? There's there's no doubt about that um, in my mind. I think, you know, it, it mimics a lot of who we are and, you know, what we stand for as a country. It is... Um, it is a game that that there's a position for everyone, right? It's a, a meritocracy, uh, and people can see themselves in it. 
Um, there's a position for everyone, no matter who you are, what size you are. Um, and I think that it's exciting, right? It is constantly exciting, constantly moving. Um, and I think that is that is who we are really at the core as a country moving forward, um, not staying stagnant, updating our, our rules, keeping the game fresh. I think all of that, um, all of that, you know, folds into it. And I think, you know, we are, we're, you know, as a sports league, one of the few cultural institutions really left in the country that people, you know, there there's a time on the clock every week and people go and they gather around and they watch. And um, that is something that we take very seriously and um, have a responsibility, I think, which kind of leads into my role, but have a responsibility to really support the country that is has done so much to support us, right? Yeah. One more esoteric question, then we'll get into some of the work you're doing now. If you were the the commissioner of MLB, what's the the first thing you would do to uh, update baseball? Um, what's the first thing I would do to update baseball? You know, I'm I, honestly, you're asking the wrong person because I'm such a traditionalist um, when it comes to baseball that you know it is it is painful for me and has been painful to, for me as a fan to watch you know and see some of the changes i real i get the reason why we have to update and stay current but i almost like look at it as two i look at the way that football handles things and the way that baseball handles things almost as two totally separate things like baseball i approach it as a fan and i'm like oh that pains me to change that and football, I'm like, oh, we're like we're on top of things. We keep things fresh. We don't let rules get outdated. We're constantly making things better for the fans. It's an interesting, but that's that's the truth about me. Yeah, it almost seems like you know football just at its origins of the way the game was invented. You know, 100 yards, the speed, the the limited games per season versus baseball with the four hour games and the 162 games before the playoffs. It almost seems like football just lends itself to not needing to evolve maybe in the way baseball does going forward. I think I'm amazed more people aren't talking about Otani on the Angels, not to get into uh, sports talk radio here too much. But I mean, here's a guy who's leading the the league in home runs, has an ERA of, of like 2.10. And if you asked 100 people walking down the street, five of them would know who this guy is. I mean, how is that? How is that? I don't know how that is, but I do think it just goes to how much, you know, football dominates the mindset. It just shows you, right? Like football's dominating 12 months out of the year, no matter whether we're in season or not. And then you've got, a, you know, baseball on the other side that is, you know, going through something essentially as you described. I don't, I don't know the answer to that, but they are two very different sports that peaked at two very different times in our country. Um, and I think football is a sport that um, has moved with the time and is so reflective of sort of the, the speed and the, the um, transparency and the movement and results oriented like is now, now, now. Um, and baseball is is not so much that. Right. I mean, it, it's hard. I mean, I worked in minor league baseball. I I um we sort of love the extra inning games and we loved working till the middle, the middle of the night. I mean, you were exhausted, but there was something, there was a camaraderie that was built and, you know, this, this, the game kind of going on forever, right? Like this idea that, that it could literally go on forever. Um, that, you know, while it was exhausting as, as a fan, I always en enjoyed that. I can't imagine that with football. 
Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's talk about um, one thing that I'm uh, especially think is so fantastic is the My Cause, My Cleats uh, campaign. Can you just talk about the origin of that and how it's grown and where you see it going? Sure. So My Cause, My Cleats is a, is a really cool effort that we work on, really in collaboration with NFL players. It started back a couple of years ago. We were uh, really looking for ways to give players a platform to talk about the causes that they care about and that they support. Um, obviously, the league has rallies around a couple of a handful of causes every year. Um, and we, you know, those are military appreciation, our cancer platform, et cetera. Um, but we've got, you know, more you know, thousands of guys uh, who play this game and many of them have uh, causes that they stand for and they are you know, tremendous contributors to their communities. So to enable them to have a way to express their individuality um, through a creative element, right? There's, there's uh, the players were, were very into designing their own cleats prior to My Cause, My Cleats. Um, and to give them this opportunity to put a design element into something, almost like a fashion spin on something that was cause-driven, um, really took off for us, right? We had a thousand players sign up last year to participate. Um, and it was really about saying to players, you each have a an individual platform, right? You are an NFL player. You represent yourself, your your team, the league, but you have a platform. You have your social media, you have your network, and each of you in your own ways can, can advance the ball on a, on a cause, right? And how can the league support you in doing that? And so it was really it was really amazing even in the first year to see how many players jumped on board, how many causes they chose to recognize and all the ways that the league and the clubs were able to amplify their work, right? Where we can tell stories and broadcast, we can create PSAs and vignettes around specific causes. You know, we can say, okay, these 10 guys are all focused on animal rescue. What can we do there? And all these nonprofits were getting, you know, they were getting, um, to learn not only kind of which players were supportive of their causes, but they were getting pop out of their causes being highlighted on the field, right? And the interesting designs that players would use. And and then we took all, we took, not all of them, but we took most of the cleats uh, and we auctioned them off on our NFL auction platform, which is 100% for charity. And we were able to raise some money for these nonprofits too, right? And so um, it just ended up being something that uh, really spoke to, who our players are and the character that they have. Right. And, you know, a couple of years ago, we went through a really rough stretch um, specifically around 2014 and 2015, you know, we had a, basically a crisis on domestic violence and um, we were, you know, it was a really tough time for us. And part of what we came out of that saying is the vast majority of NFL players are unbelievable guys, right? They're amazing guys who are fathers and brothers and sons, and they're contributors to their community. And what a way to show that, right? How do we show what the vast majority, the 99% of guys are doing across the league? And my cause, my cleats um, became a really, really cool way to do that. So what's the process? Are the guys responsible? Are they are they sitting at their kitchen tables with like hot glue guns and sequins or... They can if they want. They can if they want. Um, you know, listen, it, it runs the gamut, right? So guys can work through their <clears throat> their partner companies. So they can, you know, some guys work through the Nikes of the world, right? And um, some teams actually hire an artist, like a local artist, to come in and, and paint the entire team's cleats. Um, and so each club and players have sort of 
you know, over the last couple of years have figured out a process that works best for them. Um, but it's really fascinating, right? There, there's in, in, um, in New Orleans, this happens and in several other cities, a local artist will come in and sit with each player and, and talk about the cause that, that they want to highlight um, and then come up with a design, right? And then you'll have sort of a, a set for all of the guys um, based on the causes that they highlight. And then there are some, you know, really famous, um, you know, designers out there who've been doing, you know, cleats or sneaker designs for a while. Um, and, and, you know, they come on and do a handful of, of players as well. So it's kind of a flexible and open process. And we've learned over the years to, to be flexible with it, to allow for that creativity and that individuality. And then the better storytelling comes from that. Right. So I think I need a pair of uh, my cause, my cleats from my office here. Uh, what's the auction site and, and are there still uh, shoes up there? Or? I have to go on now at this time of year. They may, there may not be, but we, we have, uh, so it's NFL.com slash auction. Um, and we run charitable auctions really for most of our causes, right? So it's where um, players are wearing a Jersey that has the crucial catch mark on it. For example, it's where we auction that off and we donate all the money to the American Cancer Society. Um, so it's the same place that we we host all of these um, jersey auctions and cleat auctions, helmets and autographed items, essentially. And, and it's a really um, it's a really cool, cool platform that we started to use more for creative things like my cause, my cleats. And so we've we've probably raised around a million dollars so far through my like through auctioning off these cleats. Um, and so they range in price, right? Like you can go on and depending, um, you know, there might be one for, you could buy a pair of cleats for a couple hundred dollars. Um, and, you know, there, I think it was Tom Brady's cleats went for $30,000 a couple of years ago. So um, it ranges, but, um, you know, you could go online and see kind of all the causes, why a player chose what he chose, what the causes, where the money is going to go to, um, you know, and help support the players and the nonprofits at the same time. So, We'd have to go check and see if there are any up there right now, but um, usually we put them on there, um, you know, when the campaign's starting around December and they run, you know, past Super Bowl. Well, I'm going on as soon as we wrap up, and, and I'm going to see if there's cool. Okay, I even if you don't there. see them, there'll be other stuff you can find on there. I promise. That's pretty cool. So I know you're not you're not going to play favorites, but are there any uh, any any cleats that come to mind? Is that uh, some of your favorites over the last few years that just left an indelible impression? You know, we, it's interesting. We did um, we did a whole commercial actually on one pair um, on one pair this this season. You know, there's obviously a lot of work being done in the social justice space this year, and one of the issues that the league took on was really fighting um, to close the digital divide. Right this this idea that kids uh, face homework gaps, they don't have access to technology, they don't have access to Wi-Fi or broadband, and being remote, being home obviously you can't get your work done if you don't have connectivity. Uh, and so we've been working with the Players Coalition and our clubs to do things that bridge the digital divide, bring more money into technology, advocate for more access to connectivity, to faster Wi-Fi, et cetera. Um, and so we did a whole commercial with Kelvin Beecham, um, who you know designed his cleats for the Players Coalition specifically for supporting the digital divide. And it was... Um, it was a really moving spot, and it was one of our highest-rated, uh, you know, advertisements actually across all the NFL all year. Excellent. Uh, zooming out a little bit, I mean, you mentioned the domestic violence. Uh, I think the word you might have used was was crisis when you referred to it a little earlier. I mean, what do you? There's so many guys in the league coming from 
so many different backgrounds. Uh, and there's, you know, hundreds and hundreds of, of NFL players at any, any time. I mean, what have you seen to be effective and what do you think the solutions are to, to, you know, get that particular issue under control? Well, listen, I think, you know, domestic violence is an issue that's pervasive across society. It's not a sports issue. It's not an NFL issue. It is, um, it's a societal issue in this country and, and sadly across the world. You know, when you're talking about stats like one in four, uh, one in three in, in certain places are impacted by uh, intimate partner violence, that is a, I mean, that is a massive, you know, crisis. Um, and so, you know, it's really, it's, it's, we've tried since that time to, um, to support it from many angles. We work on prevention um, and education. So we make sure that every member of the NFL family is educated on domestic violence and sexual assault every single year. Um, we have a brand new education where we're talking about relevant topics um, every year, right? You have to repeat it. That's what the experts have told us. Um, so we do that. We do a lot, and as I said, the prevention space, we've created a, several character education programs um, for, for kids starting at the youth level, right? So the idea is that if you get to young people, whether they're athletes or not, by the, you know, if you get to them early and you teach them about healthy relationships, what a relationship should look like, what it shouldn't look like, um, how to communicate in a relationship, if you get to them early enough, by the time they get to college, to the NFL, the, the level of awareness and self-awareness is just so much higher, right? So that's, you know, we have a program for middle school students. We have a program for high school athletes of all kinds, not just football players, but but female athletes, male athletes, um, where we're teaching about healthy relationships and what a critical part of character that is um, in, in the hopes that, that we'll build another generation, the next generation, where this isn't as pervasive of an issue. Um, so you know, we, sur we're, we surround the issue, right? It's prevention, it's education. We have policies in place um, that where there's, you know, significant, you know, punishment and discipline if you find yourself in a situation like this. Um, and then we provide a ton of resources, right? Resources for family members, resources for um, employees, resources for players, coaches, um, to make sure that they have the information they need if they find themselves in a situation where there's violence um, and and that we're there to support them. But again, I think we are, uh, what we learned from that moment in our history was that these are issues that have been around for a while and that they, they require consistent and steady focus if we're going to make an impact and take those statistics and, and make them better. Um, and, and sadly, it hasn't you know, what COVID showed us is that it's it's, a, it's still a massive problem, right? I mean, the, the domestic violence really spiraling out of control um, during the pandemic where people are, are unfortunately, you know, we're, we're stuck behind closed doors oftentimes with people that they would rather have not been behind closed doors with. I think these issues really just need to be brought to the light. They need to constantly be talked about and, and the stigma around them so that um, so that we can move into a place where they are they are minimized, but we're not there yet. Uh, I want to talk about mental health for a few minutes. Uh, certainly uh, falls under the same umbrella. Hayden Hurst is one player who's been outspoken about mental health. Uh, Dak Prescott as well. And, you know, we're seeing more and more athletes start to talk about this subject. Uh, what trends are you seeing in the NFL around mental health? And where would you like to see things go around that, that challenge? 
Well, for starters, this month is Mental Health Awareness Month, and we, you know, from a league perspective, have done more this month than I think we probably ever have as it relates to to mental health and mental health awareness. Um, we, you know, we had our our draftathon um, event tied to the draft in Cleveland a couple of weeks ago, and mental health was a, a key part of that. Um, you know, I think that mental health issues have of course, exploded during the pandemic. So, you know, it's it's a it's one of those topics where um, it has obviously been around and an issue for a long time, but has just grown in significance. Um, and how many people are facing mental health challenges? I would say recently, you know, and I think that's no different in the NFL. And you know, what we've we've recently surveyed our clubs, and mental health really keeps rising to the top in terms of causes that clubs and players want us to do more on uh, and support more. Um, and so we are taking that on, right? And I think for us, you know, mental health is, it's not only an issue that, um, you know, affects the NFL and affects our players and, and retired players, but really um, is such, again, is such a pervasive issue across society that there's work that we can do both internally and public facing on this topic. And, you know, we, we launched um, right around the draft, a a series of of vignettes featuring NFL players and legends um, talking about mental wellness, um, mental health. Um, Hayden Hurst being one of the, you know, one of the people who was featured, who's been pretty outspoken. Um, And we are continuing to run this series of vignettes throughout the month um, and really drawing more attention to to these issues, uh, and so you know, I think it's critical for us to be doing more in this area. I think we we um, we have a program for for high school students um, that's part of our character initiative on called Mental Wellness Basics, and um, I think you'll see more coming from the league on this issue. And lastly, just um, in talking about media or content, whatever whatever term you you prefer to use. You know, when you think about the different channels available, um, of course, you've got the NFL Network, you've got all the NFL's uh, broadcast partners, uh, you've got NFL.com. Where do you see um, the players' social media channels fitting into your world? Uh, because, you know, we experienced when when Michael Phelps and some of the other athletes were posting about the weight of gold and mental health, just the amount of engagement uh, that that the athletes get. How do you think that athletes can best use their social media channels to to make the world a better place? Well, obviously, it's a huge platform, social media, and what we have found is that our fans really want to follow the players, right? I mean, when players are speaking about an issue or posting about something. Um, it, it resonates differently than when something's coming from the shield, right? When something's coming from the leak. Uh, and so there's a lot of collaboration that goes on now between our office and players as it relates to social media um, and how to use their platforms to make an impact and what are the watch outs and, and you know, red flags for for posting on social media, right? And, and which platforms to use and how to use them. I think the... Um, I think the opportunity is really vast in terms of, you know, messaging that you can get across, awareness, fundraising that you see done on social media, um, messaging that goes viral on certain topics and issues. And I think what we've seen is that, you know, this sort of world of influencers, uh, you know, our athletes, NFL players are influencers. And 
we would love them as they do to use that influence for good uh, and to use that influence to share about the issues that they're working on and the issues that they care about to, to move the needle. And we've, we've seen that already, right? I mean, we see that in a huge way um, around my cause, my cleats and, and around the work that we've seen over the last couple of years, especially this year on social justice issues, you know, using their social media platforms as their voice um, to express what they believe and to to try and change the world for the better. And I think, you know, the the possibilities are endless there in the NFL as, as the league. Um, we're there to amplify the work that they do and the messages that they get across, right? So our social team is amplifying the posts that they put out and supporting the messages that they get out to our millions of followers. And in that, you know, it spirals and you can really, you can really see change in that way. But I think, you know, there's, there's pros and cons to social media, like we all know. And so, you know, I think we just gotta, you gotta pay close attention to what you're doing, but if you use it for good, I think the, you know, the opportunity is pretty, pretty vast. Absolutely. Well, Anna, we're definitely aligned in, in wanting to, to work with, with athletes and, uh, in the sports world to, to make the world a better place. And thanks for the work you do. And I'm anxious to go log on to uh, nfl.com slash auctions and see if there's any, any cleats or other, uh, any merch there that can, that can help a good cause. Um, thank you for joining us today and, and look forward to the conversation in the future. Thank you for having me on, Brett. Appreciate it. <laughs>